Hello, hello. This is Baked and Bookish with your hosts, Maggie Boyer. And Savannah Cruz. We are so, so excited to be back again for another episode. Are we halfway through our season now? Like, over? Halfway through? Yeah, because this is going to be episode six, right? Oh my god! I know! I think that maybe in between our seasons we should do like a Q&A episode or... That would be fun. Yeah, or a movie episode. So just tell us what you guys want. Hit me up on Instagram at baked.and.bookish or at maggie.writes and tell me what you'd prefer or if you want both. I mean, you can really pressure us and twist our arms and maybe we'll do both. We could also do an episode for like Patreon that's like uh, face masks and tarot decks and we could do... Uh, face masks and tarot readings and just talk. Yeah. Some just, bonus content. Yeah, let us know. We'll do like a couple things on Spotify, but we'll do a lot probably on Patreon because we'll miss you guys a lot. So even though it'll only be like a couple weeks, honestly, of hiatus. Oh. Right, right. That's we'll a long time you. for us. <laughs> we'll miss you anyway. We'll miss you anyway. Okay, so what are we reading this week, Savannah? We have chosen to read House in the Cerulean Sea by TJ Klune this week. And we chose this book because it's pretty popular on Book Talk. And it's a pretty wholesome gay read, I would say. And we love a good gay read. We really, really love a good gay read. Is the author queer? Like, just tell us a little bit about the author, because we've had some confusion about this on past episodes, so fill us in. Definitely. So TJ Klune is a queer author who believes it is imperative to have accurate, positive queer representation in stories. That's pretty wholesome, but I heard that there's a little bit of controversy about the book. So I found this via a TikTok profile, My Name is Marines. M-A-R-I-N-E-S. I do want to shout her out because she found this. This is awesome. Well, it's not awesome, but it's awesome that she found this. So uh, the author was saying that he was kind of fuzzy on his inspiration about the book until he stumbled upon the idea of the 60 Scoop, which was a act of cultural genocide against First Nations children. It was very similar to uh, residential schools in Canada and things like that. And so I just think it's, you know, uh, he could have just not said anything. We'll talk about the book and we'll talk about like the characters and the the premise of the book, which I really did love. And I felt like it could have been about anything. And since the author is queer, given all of the anti-trans legislation that's going on, I thought it was about like trans kids or something like that, or just queer kids in general, or, or just general otheredness and marginalized identity. But he decided to pin it directly on indigenous people. And he's a white author. And I'm like, dude, you're queer. You could have literally just put it in a community that you're a part of. Like, or just shut up. And like he said, the inspiration was fuzzy, which means he had already written the book. So like, just, it, it wasn't inspired by that. Just don't say anything. Yeah, let it lie. Let um, it lie. So that was kind of disappointing and did uh, a little bit impact my rating. We'll talk about that towards the end again, but we wanted to bring it up towards the beginning before we talk about the book. Yes, because it is very important, no matter how much I love the book, that this is addressed. A lot of people loved this book. On Book Talk, it became a New York Times bestseller. It was a USA Today bestseller and a Washington Post bestseller. And it was published in 2020, so it's one of the newer books that we've done this season. And I loved this book. I thought it was fantastic. I really did really enjoy so so many parts of this book and it really did have great representation. So I'm really glad that we're talking about it. But yeah, that was kind of yikes. Like just authors learn your place, stay in your lane. Have 
Absolutely. Now, Maggie, I'm getting excited. What's the weed pairing for this week? Okay, okay. So I have a Kush rope. It is a, basically a nerd rope with 100 milligrams. Let me see, because it's not specifying whether that is all THC or if there's some CBD, but... I think it's all THC. Oh my goodness. So, is it Delta yeah. 8 or Delta 9? Delta 8. Ooh, interesting. So, um, yeah, it says 60 minute activation. So we'll probably take a quick little break. We probably won't go 60 minutes, but we'll probably smoke up and we'll be back. But it'll be just a pinch for you guys. And we actually promise we'll be back this time and stoned on edibles. We actually wrote the outline before we're getting high. So like, we'll be back. I promise we'll actually review <laughs> we the edible this time. Actually come back, not wait until next week to finish recording <laughs> oops just stoner things okay whoa this is pretty nutty pretty nerdy pretty nerdy i feel like i'm gonna have to bite it stuff is falling off of this yeah just go ahead i mean we share germs all the time don't we we don't make out though guys don't worry oh no no, no. just through smoking it's <laughs> it tastes great okay it tastes fantastic even though it's chewy this reminds me of why koalas suck. Did you know <laughs> that koalas can't eat eucalyptus straight up because it's basically poison? So they have to have their parents eat it and then they get to pick it out of their poop and then eat it. That's how koala babies live. They should not be a thing. The fact that nature created something so abysmal. And then we love them. We think they're so cute. And they carry chlamydia. Did you know that too? And they have such a low brain to body ratio. You really hate koalas. I've seen a Reddit post about koalas and it changed my mind. Okay, yeah. So Savannah was saying that I shouldn't be eating the nerd's rope because I'm on a liquid diet. I have severe gastroparesis, which means that food doesn't digest in my stomach. And so, I, yeah, I'm on a liquid diet. I also am in a pretty bad endometriosis flare, though, which causes a lot of severe pain. So I'm really actually excited to be taking an edible because I think it'll it'll help. I'm also gonna smoke my way through it. So, uh, sound any different to you guys? Apologies. Um, like I said, flaring, but the show must go on. We That's persist. Right. So, um, actually, I just really missed you guys. We took, like, a week off of recording, and I missed so okay. time is but a construct it is but a construct okay speaking of time being a construct we will be right back as soon as these edibles kick in ready set go okay speaking of time being a construct we will be right back as soon as these edibles kick in ready set go and we're back we are back okay i mean i'm actually pretty stoned i i feel like energetically stoned though maybe it's all the coffee though energetically stoned that's the most beautiful thing i've ever heard i mean it's the vibes of how spent cerulean sea though Ooh. at least not at the beginning though oh it's, yeah it's the, the beginning the was kind of so let's talk about house by the cerulean sea what the hell is this book about i'm glad that i have our podcast listed as explicit because we curse a lot I just realized, I was like, I could have just said het, but that's not authentic. I'm sorry, guys. That's just not how we rolled. <laughs> we're cool kids. <laughs> we are. I mean, we're sitting here getting stoned. Speaking of, I'll take a hit off this. There you go. So start telling us about House by the Cerulean Sea while I take this hit. Okay, okay. So we start in like this gray. Oh, wait, am I supposed to be doing this? Or... 
doesn't matter. We can popcorn it. I just looked at the outline. How about like, we popcorn? Shit. I'll okay. start, <laughs> and then like, whenever I'm it. kind of feeling like I don't know where to go with it, I'll popcorn to you. You'll get the vibe. It's just a back and forth. <laughs> okay, that's that sounds good. I just I felt bad. I looked over at the outline, and I was like, wait, this is my color, and I was like, but I really want to smoke some weed. <laughs> yeah, please do, please do. You've been captain of many of these episodes, so I will do my best. <laughs> okay, so go ahead. What what the hell is House by the Cerulean Sea about? Or House in the Cerulean In the Cerulean Sea. Whoa. I know, I keep calling it by. Oh, it's because it's an island. Yeah, so it's <gasps> in the sea. Oh! This is okay. going to sound so incoherent for people that didn't read the book yet. Okay, we're going to get on track now. Yeah. So we're introduced to a very boring kind of, uh, the personality was khaki, I would say. Linus Baker. Okay, there's this guy from our high school, and you literally said once, you were like, if he had to pick his favorite color, if he had to pick with a gun to his head, it would be beige. Oof. What a burn. <laughs> I've always been a savage, I guess. So, yes, basically we were met with a guy just like that as our main character, and he's sitting in, like, a gray, boring building. Is this Bella Swan Part 2? Ew! Don't ruin this for me. I actually liked this romance. So, we're introduced to our main character, Linus Baker. He's working at a place called Dyke. What does it stand for? Um, So Linus Baker is a caseworker at the department in charge of magical youth. Okay. And these magical youth are classified. And I thought that that was, like, really interesting that, like, children are considered classified. Like, they're not just, like, orphans. They're classified, highly classified, CIA-level shit. Like, what the fuck? You're like, what is he about to walk into? Like, every time that he goes to investigate an orphanage, it's, like, a different magical youth setting, you know? Mm -hmm. He's meeting people with, like, wings or tails or, like, wizards or you know, just different things like that. His name is Linus Baker. I think I said that. And he is really, really good at his job, though. He is. He's very analytical. He just goes by the book, which is like the organization has given him a book of rules to follow, and he follows them to a T. He literally reads it every night. It's screaming Bella Swan when she tries to read. Oh my god. Yes. So he's equally obsessed with this corporation as Bella was to Edward, for sure. He is, like, so far in the brown nosing, but he's not quite satisfied with his life. He just doesn't understand how to change it, you know? All he does is he's very lonely. He goes back home. He hangs out with his cat, who, what an amazing character, right? Oh my god, I love the cat. It's probably, hmm, there's so many good characters, but the cat might be my favorite. Right. And he gets chosen because of all these traits of being a follower or somebody that does exactly what he's asked to do. They've got him on a special assignment. So they're going to send him with a file to go to an orphanage. Wait, wait, wait. But I think we need to talk about how this all goes down because I thought this was wild. So he goes up. He's like called to like, I don't remember, like the 13th floor or something. Let's just say. He gets called. Yeah. He gets called to like the top floor, the special floor, the top executive floor. And everybody's like, oh, 
he's gonna get his ass fired for something really serious. It's not just like a normal firing or something. Like everybody's like, this is scandalous. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And he goes up there and he goes down this like weird long corridor and he goes into this like really dark room that just has like spotlights on these random old people mostly. And it's it's the guys and like one or two women in charge of dichemy or whatever. Right. And there's one man and and he's young and Linus, our narrator, spends so long describing this man and how like young and gorgeous he is. So I think, I had thought when I was reading this that this guy was going to be the love interest. I had realized this was the queer love story at this point. I hadn't when I first started the book. So I was I was pleasantly surprised that we had a queer main character. But I was like, oh, okay, okay. So how's this going to go down? Are they going to like fuck up the institution? Like what's happening? What's happening? And so that's why I wanted to like bring that up. And so yeah, he gets sent on this special assignment and we have no idea what's gonna go down because this is like you can't tell anyone you're going just like go straight home like don't even get your stuff from your desk like or something like that like they were like really like you cannot speak to anybody about this and they yes. sent him out to the middle of nowhere like to the coast right and he's like immediately stunned by the beautiful cerulean sea that he comes to at the end of the line of the little train that he was on was it a train or a bus it was a train i think yeah so he rides it to the end of the line and he sees this beautiful sea and all of a sudden a phone starts ringing nearby at the station after he gets off. Yeah, he was gonna like walk or something. He had like decided to walk with all his stuff like into the city and then yeah. the phone rings and somebody like yells at him and then I think we meet Zoe. Oh my god. And my heart started pumping right about now. I did not know. First off, I didn't know that this was a queer romance at this point, I don't think. There was like... There was like one or two hints, and they were yeah. kind of subtle. Um, yeah, I, I feel like you could easily miss the couple of hints they dropped in the first 100, 200 pages. And like, even if I knew he was gay, I didn't know it was going to be a romance. And I'm saying 100 to 200 e-pages, by the way, guys. When I talk pages, I'm talking e-pages. Don't be freaked out. It's not like a thousand page book. Sorry. I wanted to like jump that in there because I always e-read and I forget that like books are not that long. No, 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 no. So then Zoe drives him to the ferry. He meets this wonderful person who drives him over to the island. He takes a ferry. Is the ferry guy a wonderful person? Or are you talking about Zoe? Zoe. Okay, I thought you the meant... ferry guy. My God. <laughs> yeah, I was like, he was an asshole. What are you talking about? No. He was a greedy asshole. No, Zoe, who's like, take me to the island, you shithead of a fairy driver. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. She was like, shut the fuck up. Take us where we're going. Yeah. We're tired of your shit. And then he meets some of the best characters. Like, Absolutely. It was so enchanting from this point forward. Like, he's fallen in love with all the colors. There's so much more to life than his khaki and gray world. He's like in awe at this moment. He rolls up to this beautiful house that's got this like gorgeous garden. Gorgeous. Gorgeous girls. Gorgeous. And and his cat immediately runs off. And he's like, I gotta go chase my cat. And that's when we stumble upon these characters. And I just loved how organically he stumbled on these characters. And so he stumbles on all these characters. And oh my god, I'm forgetting all their names, but they were so wonderful. So we've got Sal. I was talking about like the garden gnome character. Oh, Talia. Talia. So he stumbles upon like Talia, who's I think one of my favorite characters because she loves to threaten him with like killing him with a her little trowel. Yeah. Yeah. She threatens to kill him all 
all the time, but she's also like this really sweet, innocent. She's like 300 years old, but that's still a kid in their world. In gnome culture. In gnome culture. And so that's what's interesting about these orphans is they're all children within their own culture. So they all are very, very different ages. So we meet Talia. We also meet Lucy here, who is literally Lucifer, guys. (laughs) Yeah. He's the Antichrist. Yes. Yes, that's what he is. (laughs) He's the Antichrist. And so we start meeting all these really, really interesting characters. And then we meet Arthur, who is their caretaker. He's their guardian, the orphanage runner, owner. Head of the orphanage. (laughs) He's stoned if you guys can't tell. And foggy. But anyway, he meets Arthur and he's kind of smitten. He's kind of smitten. His blood is pumping. Your blood is pumping for Zoe. And then his blood starts a pumping. And I was like, okay, wait. The other guy was not our love interest. This is our love interest. Well, the way that he got heated was like that he was so flustered. And I thought that that was such an endearing characteristic. He wasn't being like flirty. He was being like... So nervous. nervous. (laughs) It was so cute. It was so cute. So we're clearly finding out that these orphans are very interesting characters. And you realize, and Linus is realizing, that these orphans are like the most top secret of the top secret orphans. They are the most controversial orphans. They're the ones, like, like, I mean, the Antichrist. No one knows the Antichrist really exists. Yeah. Otherwise they'd riot, is what the diachemy is thinking, right? And so, yeah. It's, he's like on this island with these like really, really out there, really interesting, um, top secret kids. Absolutely. I thought it was so interesting, like, the way that we got to know these characters through the lens of Linus. Like, he's, like, trying to be so analytical, and yet he can't be. He's fallen in love. He really is. And he starts realizing how poorly, how poorly that the department has treated these children and just kind of cast them aside. And he's realizing how poorly the town has treated these children. So they start, like, doing all these expeditions because Linus is here for, like, couple weeks like all summer basically he's there he's supposed to be there for the summer and then go home so they're like taking him on all these adventures and all these things because they're just doing their normal orphanage stuff and every friday they go on an adventure so linus is going with them on these adventures and you're just like falling in love with these characters and so is linus and he's like really starting to participate and his whole personality starts to come to life he becomes colorful as well he's no longer beige khakis although they do put him in beige khakis a lot on these adventures <laughs> for the adventuring outfit that was so cute how they would bring it all the kids and arthur and linus would all dress up in their little adventure outfits and run around the island it was so cute and then they started to venture off the island for the first time and you see a lot of prejudice here you see a lot of like 1984 style big brother style signs like see something say something about illegal aliens quote unquote but it's basically magical adults yeah Yes, exactly. That aren't registered within the system. And you just see all this prejudice against even the children. And then you meet, like, the mayor of the town who's, like, not prejudiced and she's so sweet. And she's known Arthur since he was a kid. And he grew up on the island, you find out. And you're like, ooh, so he grew up on the island. Ooh. And Linus starts getting a little curious. And he's reading through these files slowly that Daikumi gave him and he's writing his reports. And Daikumi is writing him back and is like, bro, you gotta get, like, in there. You're starting to get a little, get a little soft here. 
here. Yeah, you've lost your edge. You've lost being a straight edge right now. You're letting emotions cloud your judgment. But how can you not when you have things like Sal's poem? I know. Oh my god, that made me fall in love with him so deeply. So there's this little little character. It's a kid. It's another one of the kids. And he... Little? He's, like, he's the biggest character. Oh, he... Whatever. I say little because when he's scared, he turns into a Pomeranian. <laughs> And so he gets scared all the time. He's really, really, like, easily frightened. He's clearly, like, a, an abused child, a bullied child. Not by Arthur, by, like, society. And by potentially people who had him before in other homes that he had been in. You find out he had been abused at other orphanages and things like that. So you're just seeing, like, all the holes in Diakme and all the, like, really bad things that happened. But then Linus is really connecting with these kids and also bringing them out of their shells. So Sal actually writes a poem and he's the scared child kid who never has the courage to do anything like this. He writes this beautiful poem, guys. Like, oh, if you, you should read the book just for the poem. Like, yeah, that was such a good part. It was so good. And I'm a poet. Like, read the book just for the poem. And he says, I am but paper, brittle and thin, is the repetition throughout. And it's just really beautiful. And that's why I say little. He's just got this, like, small personality. He turns into a Pomeranian. He's this little chubby kid, but that doesn't mean, like, you know, like, it's, 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 it's just, that's just skin. That's whatever. Yeah, his height doesn't factor into the smallness of his personality. Yeah. He's such a sweet, endearing, kind. But I did love how that line stuck with Linus specifically mm -hmm. as well. Like, it kept coming up in his mental process as he's fallen in love with these kids. He's fallen in love with Arthur. They're having these sweet little moments in between both bonding with their kids. That is such a pure and beautiful bond that they have. And I just loved that. It's literally like the cutest thing ever and so you're also like getting into Arthur and how much he does for these kids. So Lucy has nightmares. So Lucy literally sleeps in Arthur's room and Lucy's nightmares are violent and could really hurt Arthur and he doesn't care. He holds Lucy and just yeah. loves him through these like horrible moments that Lucy goes through and I really think Lucy like low-key is a great symbol for CPTSD but <laughs> a lot of these kids are on Honestly. So I just think it's like really, really beautiful. Arthur's just like compassion and love for these kids. And Diakami is like, Basically, like, yeah. They're like, we really, really need to, like, get you in line, Linus. And so they're like, here's the file on Arthur. Arthur is not the guy you think he is. So that really hot guy we talked about from Dykeme, the really hot executive, did he write Linus a personal letter? Is that what it was? I think something like that. Yeah. It said along the file. Yeah. And he's like, here's Arthur's file. And what I need you to know is that I actually went there once and fell in love with Arthur. I mean, Arthur had a thing, but then I discovered his secret area, his secret basement. Yeah. And so he's like, if you don't believe me, go to the basement. And we don't know. We don't really know what's happening. This being kept kind of secret from us, the readers, and even a little from Linus, but Linus is starting to piece it together. Yeah. And so he goes down to the basement and it's like, you know, a place that held Arthur as a child. Yeah. And it has some markings and some burns and it's just kind of like interesting and got chains that held Arthur down. And you, I mean, you see the abuse that Arthur went through. For sure. And he's like, why would a child have to be put in this kind of scenario? Like, what does it all mean? Yeah. He was just a little kid. Like, why? 
And so then he's just kind of like, oh my God, what? He's not really like turned against Arthur, but he is a little weary now. He's like, I mean, you might be dangerous if you had to be kept here, but also like, is Daikami lying to me? And he's just kind of confused. He doesn't really know what to think. And then the villagers are mad. They are mad about something. I don't remember. They're always mad. at. They're mad because the kids are coming into town. Yes. They're mad because Linus has kind of convinced them to come into town more. Yeah. He's like, this was never a part of the plan. You are allowed to be in society and exist as you are. Yeah. Because I love you guys. Let's start doing this. I will defend you. Yeah. And Arthur is like, ooh. That's hot. That's hot. (laughs) He's standing up for my kids. Oh, my God. Like, imagine. So, he's been taking the kids to the island more, but the villagers are getting pissed. So, one particular group of villagers is coming out and, like, really angry about this. And they have protest signs, and they've decided that they're going to come to the island. And so, Linus is like, no, we've got to stop them. And Arthur is like, no, you've got to stay here with the kids. Me and Zoe are going to go deal with this. Because we also have found out at this point, Zoe is very magical herself. Zoe has been around far longer than Daikami. Zoe is like a fairy? Yeah, she's the fairy of the island. Yeah, so she's like the fairy of the island. She takes care of the island. She's been there basically since the island's inception. Really powerful. She can grow things like with her mind and her feet. She's really cool. Very earthy and she like lives on the island, always has. She does not adhere to diacomy. Like, so hot. And hot energy. <laughs> and so Zoe's pretty powerful on her own. And we've kind of found out Arthur might be powerful himself. And so they're like, we We've got this. And they go across in the car. Oh, yeah. It's like driving on the water. Yeah. That was a wild scenario. I think Linus is like, I'm going to come with you. And he like forces his way with them. Oh, yeah. And he's, he's like, like, I'm not letting my mans go over there by himself. And so Linus is like, yeah, whatever. Fuck you. I'm coming with you. And, and gets in the car. And Zoe literally uses the water to like propel them across the ocean in the car. It's really fucking cool and you're like oh she didn't even need the fairy this whole time yeah it was like she had put an enchantment that made the salt create a road from like the ocean it was wild and like they said they'd only been using the fairy to help the townspeople and to pay them and they were actually being charged more than anybody else is charged to use the fairy but they still did it because they wanted the townspeople to like them and not to be using their magic just to get around and for free like oh my god they're such good people so they go across the ocean and i don't remember exactly what happens here but basically there's a fight that breaks out and linus is about to like get in a fight and Arthur is like, nope, my man. And Arthur rises up. And Arthur's a fucking phoenix. Yep. And he, like, takes off back towards the island, right? Like, after he gets done there. Yeah, he, like, scares the shit out of the islanders. He doesn't really hurt anyone, though. No, like. but he gets mad and lights himself on fire. <laughs> Yeah. And so in shame, he runs off towards the island. And he's like, oh, I ruined things with Linus. I'm a monster. I hate myself. You know. Right. Yada, yada. And Linus is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where is my man going? I gotta go find him and tell him that it's all all right. And I still love him. And that he's so beautiful and wonderful. You know? And everything ends up okay. It's beautiful. Because then he basically lies to Daikami for a minute. He, like, writes a fake report. He just basically is like, yeah, everything's okay. Here's a very analytical report. 
court. All things are good, whatever, or something like that. And then he goes back to Daikami, acts as though all is normal, and you're like, oh, wait, what? And he tries to go back to to normal, to regular life. He's like, I can't. I really can't. Like, there's no way I could do this. After like two seconds, he's like, nope. Like, I, yeah. I could never forget these people. And so... And Arthur had already asked him to stay. Yeah, and he was like, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna stay. I need to... And he wasn't gonna stay, not because he didn't love Arthur, but because he wanted to help more children. Yes! And so he was like, Arthur, like, I've got bigger things to do right now and then fall in love. So you're like, oh. And he realizes he can have it both ways. Yes. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, he can. And he can work on the right side of things this time. Yeah. Yeah. So what he does is he decides to quit his job. But before he does that, he sneaks a bunch of classified files out about the abuse that these magical children are going through. So what he does is he sends them to a reporter. And I love this as somebody who loves to expose people when you have real documents. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, basically he publishes all these documents and Daikami has to get this like huge overhaul. And a bunch of stuff has to start changing and society starts changing a little bit, realizing that these people are like people. I loved that. Especially the reflection of like the microcosm of all of the people in the village acclimating to these magical kids and accepting them and loving them. You know, I thought that that was a really interesting point that they put in there to see it in such a micro level and also know that it was happening in the world as well. So that was a really cool point for the end of the book. And at the very end, they meet a... um, Well, they get married first. I thought they were talking about getting married. Did they actually have the wedding? They do. Oh, that's gorgeous. I'll have to reread that. It's been a minute. So basically what I think happens, sorry, I'm going to take it from from you, but because it's so cute. They're talking about getting married. They're talking about getting married, but like they haven't really decided. And Linus is like, I don't know how to like propose. And Lolly, yeah, I, I feel that. I feel that. It's nerve wracking. <laughs> um, I proposed to my fiance. It's very nerve wracking. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. And then they just kind of like have a surprise wedding, like right then. And then they adopt a yeti. Yeah, it was so cute because it was like a top secret, like most classified file again of this yeti child and they decide to uphaul the whole basement and redo it for their new yeti. To be actually comfortable and safe and beautiful and what the yeti needs and wants and not abusive. Yeah, they're redoing the memory almost mm-hmm. that Arthur has of being in that basement. They're turning it into the perfect chill spot for their yeti for both arthur and the yeti it's good rewriting it's so beautiful i love that it is it's really beautiful it was a nice note to end on because like they fell in love through the kids and now they're able to continue loving Mm -hmm. more kids it's really beautiful it was really really sweet i really wish that the author had just like stuck it within the queer community because like these kids are great representations of like the queer community i think or just not had anything i mean he's part of the queer community so he could have just left it but i i am disappointed that he akinned all of this to indigenous people specifically i mean if he had said like all marginalized people because i also think that kind of like animal farm it could be representative of just like all the times in history that we have abused 
abused, marginalized groups and put them in horrible situations. I mean, even current orphans and adoptees, like literal actual orphans and adoptees, there are actual issues in the adoption world and things. So like you could have stuck it with that. Like there, it could have been so many things. And not that I don't think like indigenous characters could be that way. Like they totally could, but I would prefer it to be written by an indigenous author with that purpose in mind instead of just like, I didn't know what the inspiration was. And then I saw this thing and I'm going to pin it on it. Yeah, exactly. And especially because it's not your history to... When you're queer and it could have been a perfect, beautiful, just queer story. Perfect. It would have been perfect had they... (sighs) It would have literally, for me, I think, been a five-star book if he hadn't said that. 100%. We'll get into ratings in just a minute. We'll get into ratings in just a minute. First, is there anything else you want to say about the book? No, I'm ready for the next segment. Yes! Our favorite segment is Sesh Fuck Kill. So first... I'm going to sesh with Linus. He needs to loosen up. Like, I know towards the end of the book, he was pretty chill. But in the beginning, that dude could have used a sesh. For real. Whenever he was working at Dykeby, I would have definitely smoked with him. Loosened him up a little bit. Gave him something exciting. I'm definitely fucking Zoe, obviously. The description of that character, wonderful. Such a cute powerful person. It's just radiating good energy. And the extremely upper management guy, that's the guy I'm killing. That's a good choice. I would I would approve that choice. I was a little annoyed that that whole previous romance was even a thing. I was disappointed that Arthur fell in love previously with somebody in Linus's exact position. Like, I just thought that it kind of detracted from their relationship and their dynamic between Arthur and Linus. I feel like it kind of almost added to it in a way. I mean, like, I could totally see your point. And yes, you know, you meet two people because you never get to meet anybody. And the two people you meet, you fall in love with. But also, I will say, Arthur had swore off love after he met the upper management guy. He was like, I'm never going to fall in love again. I'm not going to do it. And he really resisted Linus. And I think it also could be a testament to how strong his feelings were for Linus, that he couldn't resist Linus. Kind of wild that he meets two people and one turns out to be a villain and one ends up turning out to be his true love. What are the odds? What are the odds of that dichotomy? (laughs) (laughs) Dike me? Oh my god. That is a good choice. I have an interesting choice, so um, we'll see. Um, I think my whole list is interesting except for my fuck. I would probably sesh with the mayor. I know that's like very interesting choice, but the mayor was kind of radical. The mayor was like, yeah, I want these magical children here. And she stood up to the voters of her town when they wanted to protest and attack the island. Then she also falls in love with Zoe. And so she's queer in some form. She fell in love with Zoe at the end. They started hooking up. It was really, really cute. And so I just think she's like one of those like older activist lesbians you could learn a lot from. Well, I thought that it was cool that she didn't originally start out being on the side of the kids. Like, Mm -hmm. she accepted that she was wrong and had a negative view and she addressed it. She changed her policy. She started trying to change other people's minds. And I think that that was so beautiful because we can see the whole start-to-finish progression of somebody understanding. Like, her and Linus both had to learn and grow. I think it was beautiful like you said it was perfect and so I kind of want to smoke with her because I just think I could learn from her. I would also fuck Zoe because yeah I mean just like who else in this book would you fuck like she was kind of the one. She was the one. (laughs) And 
I would kill the ice cream store guy or the music store guy. There were a couple in particular islanders who were pretty violent or aggressive towards the children. And I don't stand for that, so. Can I ask you an impromptu question? Yeah. Which of the kids was your favorite? Because we couldn't do any of the kids for sesh fuck kill. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Who's your favorite kid? Do you want me to go first? Wait, did you say Talia was your favorite? I think Lucy's my favorite. Well, Lucy, just when he says he has spiders in his brain and they're his, like, really dark thoughts from being the Antichrist. I just, like, it's just such a beautiful, to me, like, idea of CPTSD and memories and flashbacks. I don't know. Like, I just think that he is such a cute, great character. And he's so funny, so witty, but he's also so loving. And very, very misunderstood. And you see that throughout. So I love him. (laughs) It's just so funny. The way that his sense of humor is throughout the book is so funny. He's like, and I will burn down the world and erase lines of families like he goes deep into like his threats and I think that's so funny because on the inside he's just a soft little BB. I love him. I love him too. He's so cute. I think my favorite was oh what was his name was it Theodore that wanted to be a bellhop? Yes. Oh my god. Oh my god. (laughs) He was so cute. And there are guys there's still so many characters we didn't even touch on with these children that they're like I'm thinking of like four or five still that we didn't even get into so definitely read this book if you want to like learn these characters they're literally the cutest characters i've like ever met in any book yes very much so they handled the fantasy of it well i thought it was a little heavy-handed at the beginning i will say with all the fantasy elements and stuff just being stacked on top of each other the way that they were but i ended up really coming around and it added to the whimsy for me it can be an info dump for sure but i liked it i i you know i'm kind of partial to info so I like to learn everything about a world so I don't mind an info dump but I know why they're not good right I think I'm gonna you want to go into ratings I'm assuming yeah (laughs) I think I'm gonna give it a four out of five it would have been a five out of five but I had to take a star off because of the problematic stuff but it was such a good fucking story yeah I think you guys should download this one um on an uh website that is free maybe your library or something or other free areas because I mean it's just a really 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 good book and so I also rate it four out of five same exact reasonings yeah same I loved every minute of reading this book it was really so so good it was so good perfect for like reading in a bath with some candles like that kind of vibe oh yeah 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 I mean, like, it's just, like, a sunny day at the beach or, like, on your front porch or... Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Or even, like, a rainy day because there's some, like, stormy days in the book that mm-hmm. are going to, like, be a cozy read with little candles on. I don't know. There's so many vibes that this book could encompass. It's a really good book. What are we reading next week? We're reading a totally different vibe of a book. Um, we're reading Survivor by Chuck Palahniuk. That's who we're reading. <laughs> I am really excited honestly it was actually surprisingly a good book i was surprisingly impressed by it it took me a minute to get into and then i was like whoa and i couldn't put it down such Uh, a tone shift if you read the seasons books in order such a tone shift very much a tone shift so i mean i feel like it honestly would have been smoother to go into when we were birds but i think that this was and then survivor Ooh, that would have been but we didn't read them ahead of time before we like decided this outline so yeah it's I, you know, we just went balls to the walls, guys, so forgive us. Um, <laughs> Had to do it however it came to us. Yeah, 
So, I, but I am really, really excited to read this one. Remember, let us know if you want a Q&A or a movie watch or what, what the heck you want on the In Between the Seasons and on our Patreon. Our Patreon will be linked in the description. We do have the episodes out now. I promise they're, they're, they are uploaded. You can listen to them. They are fantastic. They are so funny. My favorites. We're also going to just like do a bunch of content on there in between the seasons. So um, let us know what you want. Uh, you can find us on social media on Instagram and TikTok at baked.and.bookish. We do have a studio tour up and a bunch of other fun things there that you can see, so check us out. You can also check me out on at maggie.writes. I have a bunch of workshops, I have a bunch of stuff about self-publishing, um, and my own work as well, so we can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Um, see you on social media or wherever we see you next. Thanks for listening! Bye! Bye! No, it's perfect. It's perfect. Oh, I'm already dying. <laughs> we haven't even. Don't push to start. <laughs> You're gonna have five minutes of stuff that just like rambles about the zoo.